I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Welcome back to Vet Sessions. My name is Omar Khan. Today with me, I have Dr. Pavanish Madan. He joined OVC faculty in 2008 as an assistant professor in anatomy and physiology. He's moved on from that position since, still with the OVC faculty. Dr. Madan, welcome to Vet Sessions. Thank you so much, Omar, for having me here. And I'm really thankful to the entire team uh, of Vet Sessions for uh, uh, thinking about me and uh, and asking me to be here. I'm really thankful and look forward to interacting and uh, sharing my thoughts about the profession uh, today. So looking forward to this. Yeah, no, thank you. And we're always happy to feature, you know, our, our, you know, faculty anytime on vet sessions. Tell us a bit about your veterinary journey. How did you become a veterinarian? Why did you become a veterinarian? And what made you move to Guelph? A very good question. I think I have to thank my, my dad for that because he is a veterinarian and a scientist. Um, and I was very motivated from a young age just watching him work. Uh, I would love to accompany him to work and uh, observe what he was doing. Uh, the whole idea of uh, not being able to talk to an animal and still be able to understand what's going on within them and try to come up with a therapy was just fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I would ask him, like, how do you do that? Like, how did you know that this needs to be done for this patient? And he would smile at me and he said, you will learn and you will you will understand. You just have to spend time. And and I said, I exactly want to do that. And then he would switch gears and get into his lab and, you know, do train his students and um, guide them, write papers. And, mm-hmm. and, and the whole visual of him buried in books, which would be probably 10 or 12 or journals in front of him. And he's shifting from looking at one book to the other. And it was fascinating. Like, how humanly could you do that? Right. And again, part of my training was asking him how, and I was I was impressed by his ability to speak eloquently, bringing up material which he had read a while ago and then say, that book says this, but that book says that. Yeah, how do you retain that, that? Like, how do you retain that knowledge? So I think part of as a young child was getting awed day after day by his working abilities. And I think I was probably grade eight or somewhere around that, that I thought that is the best thing to do in the world is just follow his footsteps because people tend to look for an idol across, you know, provinces, across countries, uh, you know, across far lands. Um, and here I thought I had an idol right within the four walls of my home. Right. And I was said, I said, I was pretty lucky to do that. So I, I actually showed my interest right away and said, what I need to do for this, this is, how yeah, can I prepare? Yeah, I think I remember distinctly grade eight when I said, this is what I want to do. Yeah, that, that's amazing that you had that that mentorship and that that passion at such a young age. You know, I know a lot of veterinarians do have, you know, family members um, as veterinary professions. That wasn't the case for me. I was the, you know, the only veterinary <laughs> person who got into veterinary medicine. In my field, others, lawyers, doctors, engineers, you know, but like you, I had that that drive and that desire to want to, wanna, you know, communicate with animals, you know, in, in any form or fashion, uh, you know, but didn't have that mentorship, you know, to, so it was a, you know, a bit of a struggle for me, but 
you know, I ultimately managed. Yes. Um, but that that is an amazing story and a fascinating story, you know. Um, and I hope, you know, our listeners out there take that to heart. You know, even if they don't have family members in, in the veterinary profession, it's, you know, certainly something that you can achieve and can attain. Um, as, as a, you know, professor in anatomy, I know there's uh, the traditional and, and, you know, didactic form of teaching. But you're here today to, you know, tell us a bit, you know, about that, but also with, you know, where we think that profession and that teaching is sort of heading. Can you explain or expand on that? Absolutely. Um, so a lot of people think that, you know, there's not too much change in anatomy because the muscles stay the same. I I haven't seen an animal, animal where they have actually suddenly developed another leg or, uh, <laughs> or, or a hand. Uh, so it's believed that, you know, it's a very, very static field. Um, in some as- aspects, yes, because the muscles stay the same. However, what we know about the functionality of those muscles is changing uh, as we add new dimensions. We have new tools of understanding the same functionality. Uh, for example, locomotion in horses or cheetahs or, or tigers. Mm-hmm. There's more and more focus being happening why, uh, you know, or how that happens or why they're more da- adaptive to some a, a specific form of landscape. Uh, right. What is the success of a camel foot versus a horse hoof? Yeah. Uh, so those kind of comparisons are now happening. That comparative anatomy, and and for me coming into into this field, uh, you know, although my initial f- uh, field was reproductive biology, I'm a theologianologist uh, uh, in many ways, and that my specialization and and PhD. And actually, the part we missed in the last question was uh, we my whole migration to Canada happened because I came here to do my PhD in this field. Right. But there was, uh, when I did apply for this position, it was about f- trying to teach physiology and, and reproductive physiology has a very close overlap over general f- physiology as well as anatomy because in reproduction, you're focusing on certain reproductive organs, which mm-hmm. are amazing anatomy, um, you know, interpretations and then physiology because reproductive aspects are basically about physiology yes and uh, and there was a nice overlap and, and i had done that kind of teaching during my phd days as a ta for physiology or anatomy courses and and that helped me to to get uh, into the oec as a as assistant professor at that time but i think what also helped me a little bit more than that was my going through my licensing process to practice in canada mm-hmm. as an overseas veterinarian foreign veterinarian there were a lot of hurdles which at that time in like almost 15 years ago were were very difficult to 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 get over and uh, but i'd applied my mind that i need to do that i wanted to get the composite feel of i was missing my clinical practice right yes exactly so i couldn't touch an animal clinically uh without doing those boards and and doing the licensing process so i did that and that actually again uh rewired my whole veterinary knowledge Mm -hmm. and and brought it back to the surface that that I could do that. And that's how my, I think I've, my connection to veterinary anatomy and physiology was that I had just recently done Canadian boards to practice. Everything was fresh in terms of anatomy, physiology, all clinical conditions at the same time, very strong overlap of reproductive physiology and anatomy. And that gave us, uh, uh, you know, um, access to, to teaching that. Mm-hmm how can we make it better for students and how can we make it interesting is always something we endeavor. Uh, and luckily we, we keep our eyes open for what is the newest technology coming in, which will can help anatomy. And 
you know, over the years, years we, we have brought in iPads as to become, all our videos used to be projection videos initially. Then we broke down those videos, made them into smaller videos, and iPad came in many years back. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly knowledge became personalized. Everybody who was doing dissection could carry their iPad along Around. and just follow the videos at the station, which was right. a big jump oh, from previous years where they were just all watching a video in the central hall yeah. and then just going and the connectivity was miss and they had to go back to a manual to really read how to dissect yeah it. that's what i had it back in the day yeah, yeah yeah you had those manuals and you'd color in them and, and try to exactly. try to make the best of it yeah so i think we we made that jump to go to smaller videos and and they were not just one hour two hour videos they were just like what you need to do the next step yes so they were broken down into smaller capsules so people could really watch and then do it themselves mm. but i think in this process we also come across scenarios where um uh, virtual reality, augmented reality is coming into play. So very recently, uh, we have uh, you know started a VR project of anatomy at our OVC, uh, where we collaborated with Virginia Tech. I, I actually just was reading um, some journal where they had reported a development of a software for virtual reality teaching for veterinary students. And I mm. got excited. I said, well, we need to take a step in that direction. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a proposal, sent it to our dean's office, and I got such an amazing support from our dean's office. Say, yes, we need to venture in this area. Uh, some of the points why we want to do that is, uh, you know, when students are reviewing, they don't necessarily go back to the anatomy. And as you know, anatomy uh, halls have a particular smell, or you know, there's formaldehyde a little bit there. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, there's been a little conscious effort of reducing formaldehyde presence in anatomy. And we um, have worked really hard to minimize anatomy uh, formaldehyde levels in our clinic as well. Mm -hmm. But knowing that these virtual realities can really help for people who have little sensitivity to formaldehyde or not necessarily want to expose themselves to formaldehyde for any reason, uh, virtual reality can be a big reviewer exercise because then you can actually revisit that into virtual reality. Yeah. So, I mean, you raise a, a number of, you know, important points there. Firstly, you know, shout out to the, to Dean Witchell. I, I agree. He, he's an amazing Dean and he's very supportive of a lot of the projects, initiatives we bring forward to him. But from a health perspective as well, uh, learning, you know, different students have different learning capacities. You know, for me personally, I'll admit openly on air, anatomy was my worst subject in vet school, <laughs> um, but I still passed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and that, that's very important. You know, we, we all have different learning capacities and, and different ways we learn. Um, what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. So tell us a bit more, how, how does VR and, and augmented reality to play into that? So virtual reality is absolutely a virtual world. So it's developed by software, but what you need to do is wear a special goggles on, on your head and also have some hand tools uh, which through which you can you know govern and control things, what you're seeing on the screen. Uh, to describe it in, in, in 2D, it's not going to be possible. And anybody who has not actually gone and visited VR, they cannot even fathom uh, what it entails because I would really invite you to come by one day and really wear those goggles and take those controllers in your hand. I will take you up on that because <laughs> I've never, I've never done VR. So yeah, so this is entirely a different ball game. You nothing can prepare you for that visit, and and I can tell you that you are literally immersed in the ad. You are as if you are in Jurassic Park, and there is an animal right in front of you who you can control the size to become a little thumbnail, 
and suddenly you can enlarge it to make it a dinosaur. And then you can actually get underneath it and visualize the muscles which are on the bottom, like uh, which is so hard to do in a real animal because you're afraid to be kicked by a horse or a cow. But here you can actually go underneath and, and look at the muscles which mm-hmm. are on the ventral part of the body. Uh, similarly with the, all the bones, osteology, you can actually go in the 3D all around the body. Uh, you can rotate a bone around its axis virtually. You can look at all the foramens. You can look at the uh, you know processes on the bone, yeah. our site of attachment, all these muscles. Uh, and the best part is there's an inbuilt quiz which is present in there. So after you've done your learning, if you want to test yourself, you can really use the controllers to go to the quiz part and then start playing the quiz and you can answer some of the questions. And if you... If you remembered what has been told to you, then you can, uh, you know, score points or you, right. uh, they at least tell tell you to correct yourself. Yeah. So almost like a, a game form of, of learning, so to speak. Absolutely. And yeah. this is called the gamification process, which has come into education. Right. Uh, the concept being that uh, kids learn a lot around the play areas and in the park when they go and visit and swing, but there's no formal education there, but mm-hmm. they learn a lot through that process. I think social scientists have observed that behavior that our most learning and interesting learning happens around play areas right. uh, initial during initial age. But then why does it change as we grow? And so we at Anatomy have also, you know, uh, taken that past of a little bit of gamification in certain aspects of anatomy. The other aspect of gamification is is when we do our oral viva voce, we almost play who wants to be a millionaire, kind of like going from one question to the other and, and yeah. supporting each other. And even if they get it wrong, say, oh, you have three lifelines, you know? Right. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah. usually a phone, a friend, and all the phone calls come to me. And <laughs> I can help them, you know, give a clue. And 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 students love that aspect of that. Yes, they're, yeah. it's, they're, it's not a stressful environment, certainly. It's mm-hmm. not that they're being... There is an, uh, that stress of an exam. Yeah. And anything we can take off from the stress uh, of life, you know, I feel it's a success. Mm-hmm. And I think this VR experience is also that they, they can do it on their own time. Uh, they can, you know, uh, come and visit uh, and then look at all those organs virtually, um, uh, learn uh, through the gamification of that quiz. Mm-hmm. And uh, the best part, again, is if you don't know what the structure is, you shoot a beam on it, that area and it gets labeled. Okay. Oh. So it actually tells you what, what it is. Right. Uh, so people like that aspect of that. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. And if they really want to know more, they can shoot a laser beam and, and you can actually see that go across yeah. to their organ and it, it lights up in a blue label and says, okay, this is the frontal bone of the head. Right. So oh. uh, those are the kind of examples with with virtual reality. And, yeah. uh, and also, you know, there's uh, this field is going to grow as we speak. There, there are a lot of VR games that have come into uh, popular use. People are using VR games at home, mm-hmm. and and uh, I think as it's a moral duty as our few uh, educationists to expose our students of the of what what are the times to come will be like. Uh, you know, can we prepare them for the future? And I strongly believe that with Mark Zuckerberg buying Metaverse and calling the company Meta and and a lot of properties in Metaverse are being buy, uh, bought by a lot of uh, you know companies and businesses uh, and having got a peek of what Metaverse is going to be like, I, I feel a lot of universities will be putting up their own Metaverse buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of clinics will be putting there so that people can virtually visit those in the Metaverse. Uh, get to see what that hospital or clinic looks like. Uh, they can tour it virtually before they come with their patients to the clinic. Right. They can 
there will be virtual announcements by veterinarians and the technicians of that clinic to the public and they can see what their veterinarian is uh, like and they can interact virtually with them and i think that's the part similarly with universities university can actually be selling features for students to go and choose different universities they can get into metaverse and they can go oh why should i go to this university and they can go at that virtual tour interact with people virtually uh they just become an avatar they walk through the uh, buildings they walk through the lanes and, yeah. and and things like that so this is completely immersive then like i mean again me being ignorant of of vr um you know we we go to a a, a computer and we can get a, a quote unquote 2d virtual tour of a hospital or university but this is you yourself immersing into that Absolutely. environment yes. in that that you know Absolutely. That, that's, that's and what amazing. we have also done is uh, in the same machine we have a a free Google virtual reality earth uh, and if you have used Google Earth in normal 2D computers you would know that mm-hmm. you can virtually go visit any place yeah. in the world but i can multiply it by a million times to really tell you that how beautiful Google Earth virtual earth is uh, in VR mm-hmm. because literally you can be in a uh, in a 3D environment and visit any place in the world i have personally in the like matter of seconds go from mount fuji to mount everest yeah. in a matter of seconds and then actually walk up the kumbu falls go to the western kumb and walk on the ridge to the summit uh, with one side being the tibet one side being nepal yeah. and you can actually get you turn your head towards the right side you can actually see what would be on yeah, your the, uh, the like where the yeah. fall would be like so like it's responsive to your head movements and you yeah. you watch up and you can suddenly see the sky you do look down you can see the kumbu falls yeah So you like uh, yeah it's it's very it I cannot even describe it in words it's very very immersive and I would say every person should use this opportunity to really visit the virtual world mm-hmm. um in limitation like that initially it's all about you know virtual uh, we we have two species in our in our uh, portfolio right now we have a VR dog we are a VR cow yeah uh, I think the work is going on on uh, uh, VR horse as well right but right now they uh, Virginia Tech they did not take a single cent from us it was all collaborative yeah oh amazing and it's a, it's a free software so we the cost of keeping this is very low uh, i would call it a truly collaborative effort right. uh, between the university of golf yeah. ovc and virginia tech vet school and i'm assuming there must be computer science forgive my lack of proper terminology but yes. there must be computer engineers or associated with this development in yes. addition to veterinarians yeah yeah so this has been developed in collaboration with their engineering school uh, at virginia tech so there are software engineers involved with this um uh, with the development uh, for us it was easy i just had to i just wrote an email to them that we are interested in this into our anatomy what can we do to collaborate what would we be if you would be able to help us mm-hmm. and i got such a positive response and and the and the deal is that we need to give them a feedback right yeah so that they can improve the 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 product yeah. as they go along uh, so yes we have been collecting feedback from uh, some of the users so far and uh, we'll certainly help to improve this yeah. product as we go further so so do you see this solely then from an anatomy standpoint within universities and, and veterinary schools or do you see a student taking this home and and quote unquote studying from it at home absolutely i think because it's the best part is it's a free software right now uh, i'm not sure if they will be interested in putting a price on mm-hmm. it but there are some other companies uh, which have now which are now selling the vr product for different animals uh, mm-hmm. so yes they can take it home if they have their own vr setup 
mm-hmm. for use at home they are playing some vr games anyways so they could easily buy a vr software at for home or just download this uh, free software yeah. and then start using it at home uh, they can practice it at home uh with just reviewing the structures and i think one thing we also want to talk about is uh, there was a big popular concern few years back about reducing the animal usage for anatomy Definitely. like cadaver yep. uh, how can we reduce the cadaver usage yeah. and this also fills that property that you know naturally if more and more people are reviewing material on some vr like technology then naturally yeah. we don't need as many cadavers in the lab to to serve that purpose mm-hmm. so it actually pick, checks another box which more you know um uh, as more awareness is coming in in a lot of yeah. people i think that is a very positive sign as well uh, and we can at least showcase that these are sincere efforts on our part to really reduce cadaver yeah. usage yeah. um and uh, uh so the answer is yes may, as many people adopt it uh, for their home usage you know the better it is Uh, so, Dr. Madan, uh, that was so interesting, so enlightening, so eye-opening for me, um, both as an avid learner and a veterinarian. I would like to say thank you for, for being a part of our PhD team as well. In addition to you know lecturing in anatomy, physiology, you also help us out at the PhD, um, which our students love every time they see Pavlish coming. So, oh, great, I know, I love Pavlish. Um, but thank you so much for that. It, it's great to have both your your academic you know and didactic knowledge as well as a clinical experience with us uh i know in chatting with you earlier we do still have a lot to unwrap but we're out of time today we have to get you back to chat more about microbots robotics and uh, a slew of other things that that you have um and, and you are so excited to tell us about so thank you again for joining us today my pleasure thank you so that brings us to the end of our session today you can follow us on instagram at vet sessions or send us an email at vetsessions at hotmail.com.